Welcome to the Extraordinary Creatives Podcast. I'm Kerry Hand, your host and creative coach. Join me each week as we delve into the journeys of creative trailblazers, aiming to inspire you to embrace your creativity and chart your own unique path. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by the extraordinary John Hegley, poet, musician, comedian and showman. Prepare for a whirlwind tour through his remarkable creative odyssey, from caroling for neighbours to street performances, teaching in schools and prisons, to gracing the stages at the Comedy Store and John Peel sessions on BBC Radio. He shares on finding inspiration in a humble brown paper bag and the highs and lows of creative fame on mental well-being. Stay tuned for an incredible treat as John recites Hilaire Belloc from memory and shares a soul-stirring song with his trusty mandolin, sure to tug at your heartstrings. Education was unconscious to some extent to begin with, but I did the school's um, shows with soapbox and started out with interaction. Um, And that was family stuff and kids' shows. And not, not an educational um, bit to it, but but then I did work in the unit in Bradford. Um, yeah. Actually, I was going to say, because, uh, you know, I went to art college in Bradford. Oh. And um, I think there was something that was curious. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was really interested because obviously we were there at different times. Yeah. But there was something, I stayed on in Bradford for a few years running an art space. Um, yeah, yeah, afterwards. And, and that's where I met my partner, Roger, as well. He went to art school in Bradford. So, mm. and we're still friends with all of our art school friends we've stayed friends with. And so there is something about the course that you did in Bradford, actually, um, which we were surrounded by people who'd done the course. I wonder if you say a little bit about that, because there's something in the ethos of that course. I wonder if that stayed with you somehow. Um, just as a general thing, I've been writing a little bit about, actually, um, my two my two sort of standing light teachers, Jack Morell and Cliff Slaughter, um, were quite different guys jack morell was quite conventional cliff slaughter was a trotskyist mm. um my curiosity was expanded by being with those those people um cliff slaughter introduced me to a book called deceit desire in the novel what a title I wow rene girard um i didn't really understand it but the title i like the title <laughs> and um and Jack Morell introduced us to things about the history of science. And one of the things that he told us was that it, science doesn't need things to be true, just adequate, as long as they're mm. adequate. And it, it gives the example of a law where they discovered a, a variable later on that made it more true, but it worked as it was. Yes. So just, I mean, just thinking that, that sort of thinking. Yeah, I love that. I talk, talk to a lot of artists about this idea of letting it go at like 70%, 80% at a push, you know, because your version of 70% or adequate is usually like a million miles better than other people's version of it. So I think it, it frees you up somehow because I think a lot of creatives have that perfectionist streak too. You know? Well, it's the show, the last show I did, last, um, on Saturday night 
in staves. Um, I, I mean, I, it was very well received, I've got to say. It was rare, but I came off thinking, yeah, but that last song. <laughs> Do you know, everyone will be so relieved to hear that, that after all these years, you still have those little niggles. You know, it's just the creative in you, isn't it? Because you know what you're capable of. Well, I suppose you need it, really, don't you? Because if you're thinking that was that was it, kind of, that is it, really, then what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So you met these people in Bradford back mm. in the day, and there was something about their kind of expansive thinking that was useful. Well, that was a, a sort of a general thing to it, to going out into the world and I suppose just yeah, being expanded in your mind. Um, and we're then working in, then I worked in the, the unit for kids who weren't at school and just tried to be, our, our brief was keep them in the building. Really? Yeah. Keep them in the building. And do what you can with them. Amazing. Yeah. And um, so sometimes we'd made, we made a jigsaw, I made a jigsaw and we did little plays. Um, so that was always in my mind after I'd left um bradford but i thought my, my singing was the thing when i came down to london so pam was pam my girlfriend from hull uh, she moved down to london and she was kind enough to say you can come and stay with me and i'd, I'd been busking and then i went out with my busking in <clears throat> london but the education side really went, went took a back seat then while i was trying to push the sort of singing and the performing and wh where did um, the inspiration for the lyrics for your songs and the music come from? Um, I remember when I was in, so this would have been about 78, there was a brown paper bag on the table and I don't know why I sang Easy in Love with a Brown Paper Bag, but so that was one. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I was saying when I went to when I went to Bradford. I'm, I'd only been there a couple of days, so this is 1973. And I sang my mummy. She bought me an armadillo. I kissed him and I kept him under my pillow. <laughs> and mum had given me a rag doll to take up uh -huh. to Bradford. So maybe it was about that. But not, I'm not always sure. But some, I suppose sometimes they're kind of metaphors or different versions of things that have happened and a lot has come from family a lot has come from family yeah um isabella and um, mum and dad my yeah. brother my yeah. brother-in-law <laughs> yeah in and in your family was there anybody who um did you grow up with uh anybody who had written or performed or sung before where did where did that spirit come from um grandma was a dancer with a folly bear yeah um Amazing. dad painted dad painted um did, dad could apparently could stand i was thinking yesterday he could stand on his hands <laughs> could he <laughs> that's a, a great yeah great <laughs> attribute on his hands could oh could he yeah apparently he played marcel said my brother said he played the harmonica um mm. um so there was that but that yeah dad was dad, dad's paintings were very good or a friend of mine i mean they're quite conventional and we used to really on her dad's paintings in her house. And I brought a friend round who's, qu who's quite sort of arty-arty. Yeah. And I said, look, this is one of dad's paintings. And she said, oh, I don't like paintings like that. I <laughs> I How rude. I, 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 I remind her of it. She said, I was I was horrible then, she said. <laughs> Blimey. So, but was there, were there anybody you were knocking about with at that time who also had that sort of performing spirit? 
Um, it's, no, it's interesting you ask that because I suppose not so much really. Um, How did you develop yeah. the confidence to do it, John? Um, well, I was quite no. I, when I was when I was when I was little, I used to go around singing carols on my own, and I didn't. Wow. And I really sang them, and I used to not sing one verse. I'd sing the four verses. Wow! I'd really stand outside the door, and I, as I <laughs> remember, I didn't knock. I just sang. I'd go if there was a light on. As I remember, I'd sing, and then they would open the door and give me some. Um, but that, I was a bit nervous about doing that. But once I'd started, and it was the same when I started at the beginning, starting busking, when I started, mm-hmm. I was nervous to start with. But I think there was a, there's something in there that um, needs to do it. You need to do it. That's mm. so interesting. So you started busking, and that obviously you're sort of performing to anybody in the public domain so that obviously mm-hmm. develops a kind of resilience muscle as well mm-hmm. you start to become more more yeah. confident and do you think there's anything in the kids that you were keeping in the building do you think there's something like learning to think quickly on your feet about and responding to people yes i think there is in both of those situations mm. the busking and with them um what is this situation what does it need and you try to be like that rather than this is what I prepared. I'm going to come and do it. Yeah. So it's good to keep that in your head that that's the way to be. Yeah. And I know I know you've always had a curiosity about people and that curiosity leads you very often when you're engaging with somebody, you very, very often meet them where they are. Is that a skill you learned to develop way back then? I think with the kids, yeah, because I wasn't I wasn't schooled in dealing with these youngsters. Yeah. I hadn't done um, a social interaction course of any description, so you were thinking on your feet, and and the same with the busking because there would be because it moved from busking to street entertainment, which is different. Yes. Street entertainment is when the people are standing still and watching you. Busking is when they're walking past you. Yes, um, but that's but both of them still took. Um, um, Bit of bottle, bit of bottle. Yeah, but you, it's a different situation when the, because you again you're on the street, street entertaining. You'll get a mixture of folk. Yeah, and is there because you've always had this sort of wordsmith um, quality in your singing and writing, and you love playing with words. How did how did you develop your style? Um, I think I think I've had a I've had a playful ability a word uh, an ability to play with words since I was young I think. Mm. Um, but the style how did the style develop? Well, I suppose doing the comedy you, that that make that adds something in terms of how you might perform something, but it's not all they're not all funny funny poems. Um, but the, but I did I, I did hear the poem Tarantella by Hilaire Belloc, and that did have. A big influence on me when Mr. Brennan read that out. The do um the tedding and the spreading of a straw for a bedding and the fleas that tease in the high Pyrenees and the wine that tasted of the tar. Just that rhythmic thing. Yeah, it's musical. And that intensity. And I was a slow reader. I was also a very slow reader. So mm. when we were given a book between one between two, the other child would finish before me. And poetry generally is shorter than novels yeah do you know you're the only other person i know that um has mentioned hilaire belloc mm. because i absolutely i loved hilaire Bell- belloc 
and uh, inspired me to write daft daft poems when I was yeah. growing up too. And I remembered one because I knew we were chatting today. Yeah. And uh, I, re I remember, it's funny that all of these poems just suddenly came back to my mind because I knew yeah. we were meeting. And I was thinking about the joy of that um, or the agency that humour gives you somehow. Do you know? And that, the, the kind of, I don't know, it's kind of empowering in a very accessible way somehow. Yeah. And yeah. it, so there's a, a smartness in the the playfulness with language, but there's also a, a kind of a love of the absurd. And I, I think I've always really loved that about your work, you know, because there's very poignant moments in it. And there's sometimes there's a kind of, uh, there's a sort of, there's a slight melancholy or a tinge mm. of melancholy in some of the work that you yeah. perform. Yeah. I think Isabella says not, not, not too many of them. <laughs> Isabella's your daughter. Does she keep you on the <laughs> on the straight and narrow? Yeah, she does say that. She does say that it's not too many of the serious ones. But, <laughs> uh, but they have a place. They do have a place. But yeah, sometimes um, yeah, you can. You you, you got to keep the balance. Mm. So. Learning on the streets and in, in the kind of uh, keeping people in the building and finding a way to engage people. What was the, the first big gig that you got, John? Um, well, playing, playing at the comedy store was a big gig. Mm. I mean, that was a, a lively and a, attended by other folk who were other performers, lots of other performers. Um, and you had to be on your toes there because it was late night. Mm. And um, sometimes folk could maybe a little bit, um, a little bit more to drink and would uh, help them to be um, very well mannered. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, th those were big gigs. Um, and the, 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 for me, the moment, that changed things was having the John Peel session, mm. with the first John Peel session with the politicians. Amazing. How how do you prepare for something like that? Um, we were very glad to be in the canteen and have our lunch beforehand. We loved the <laughs> fact that we got a canteen dinner. That was our preparation. Um, we had the songs. We'd been doing this. We had tried the songs and tested the songs. It was an excite. We were ex we were open, wide eyed. I think going in wide eyed. Yeah, amazing. And was it an agent that helped you get that? How did you land it in the no, first place? No, that was just um, John Peel had seen us performing um, a club in Charlotte Street. I can't remember the name of it. And um, one of the there was a producer there um, who said John Peel's been in and a, a radio producer, and he and I, you might get a session out of this. And then John Walters rang us up. And said we could have one. Amazing! Did it feel like Christmas? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And so, from that, did other opportunities start coming your way? Um, yeah, yeah. I think we got it. Helped us to get um, some of the. Um, we did some May balls and things like that, and Freshers Weeks. Yeah, it helped that. Um, 
that you, you weren't. I, I, somebody told me the other day, Roy Roy Hutchins, who was performing with us. We were on a, a cabaret tour called the Off the Curb Road Show. Mm-hmm. Myself, Andrew Bailey. So oh you, yeah, you know Andrew. Yeah, and the politicians. And Roy said that the fact that we'd done the Peel session had really helped get those shows. And I hadn't thought of that until Roy told me a couple uh, of years ago that that had made a difference. Yeah, amazing. And for new people to learning about the Popticians, what was your what was your style of uh, music and lyrics? Um, well, we sang "He's in Love with a Brown Paper Bag," the, the song that came from that. We didn't sing "Armadillo" to start with the "He's in," but we did sing it later. It was sort of, I'd say, swing, swing, comic pop uh, with horns and little dances that Keith and Sue would do. So it was nice. a pretty jolly, and and we sang songs, a lot of songs about glasses. So Keith. Keith Moore thought of popticians, popticians yeah. with a P, putting the P into opticians <laughs> rather than taking it out. Um, so it was, it was, it was chirpy, accessible, bit daft, um, pop music. Yeah, and that sort of those moments of kind of recognition. Some might say fame. You know, there are other things that you were you particularly appeared on Wogan and Clive Anderson and Radio Four. The context that you're in, you know, I'm, I'm curious for those because every every art form has a slightly different tribe, doesn't it? A slightly mm. different community, mm. and there are pros and cons of those those tribes. I'm curious. Back then, without social media, you know, what was the tribe like for? Um, kind of music and poetry and comedy, those because you, you kind of crossed all of those, didn't you? Um, I think really all of it, though, generally. I mean, because there's some of the sometimes the writing sort of pushing more towards the writing came a bit later, mm. um, for the page, but most of it for the stage, yes. I mean, I am, I guess, I am a showman, and all, all those things the poetry, the singing, um. Is being a showman, but um, there's another performer said to me when we were in Edinburgh. He said we didn't know how lucky we were. Ivor Dembina, he said to me, mm-hmm. we didn't know how lucky we were to be in this melting pot of newness, really. Yeah. And I said, I think we, d- I think we did know, we did know, but we mm-hmm. were just in it and um, and knowing we were lucky rather than thinking, oh, ain't we lucky? Yes. Yeah. You were just living every day as it came. Did you sort of did you find yourself with some uh peers who inspired you? You know, who did you draw on for um kind of sort of support and inspiration at the time? Um well Andrew was Andrew has remained a very close friend and out doing his own creating his own world. And Roy was on the Off the Curb Road show. They they were creating their own worlds, mm. and it made me want to create my own. And I remember thinking about Mark Steele, another comic, and who's political. Yes. And I thought, well, I'm political in my own, but I was thinking, that no, Mark's really saying the stuff that needs to be said. And then I thought, well, go easy on yourself, mate. You know, you're saying your things in your own way. Yeah, I love they're a that. different kind of thing. Yeah. So, because um, I think that that I 
alternative scene, if you like, that was a, a little bit political and a little bit um, uh, saying the things that needed to be said. You know, that's something people would associate being slightly left of centre. Yeah. So there's always going to be pros and cons of getting some mainstream publicity at that time. And I was wondering, you know, how, how does it affect you when you start scaling? Because you've obviously now you've played Edinburgh and you've had varying degrees of success for your page and stage work. Yeah. I'm just wondering, what are, what's the, the challenges of becoming more visible? Um, I think that you have to watch your mental health. I think that's, mm. I'll just say that in the first instance. Yeah. Um, so I've had mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some, there are things that, it's, well, it's not the same as a problem of sort of uh, a, t- a tough audience on a Saturday night. It's a, no, it's a different problem. Yes. But it's something that you can uh, approach and deal with um, or attempt to deal with and that's an ongoing thing is dealing with that and realizing that um, being in a world where you are visible, um, where you are exposed, you yes. are exposed. Yeah. And it's it can be dangerous. Mm. And how have you learned to, to be resilient and continue making work, John? Um, I suppose because I I I, re- I really want to do it. I really yeah. want to be creative, and just trying to protect myself um, mm. as well. I suppose because the first time I had um, psychosis and depression in two thousand and five, I'd never had it before. I mean, I had had uh, anxiety. Yes, but I and then I had it again in two thousand and twelve, but not as difficult but difficult still um and being aware of what's being aware of something doesn't make you it's like naming something i can call it this oh i know what you are i know who you are yes um please keep away (laughs) (laughs) not today if you don't mind yeah i'm really grateful that you shared that because i know so many creatives um the thing that drives them to to make work because obviously your thoughts are the thing that manifest amazing things in the world. And when they're um, on form and working well for you, they create incredible things. But then your thoughts are also capable of conjuring all kinds of other exactly, things. Exactly, that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's it. And, and when, you're given, when you're given the drugs to help you, they... Um, dampen down the creativity which is creating the disturbing things yeah and so um it moves you away from your creativity um, but that's necessary yeah and i know that you've supported some mental health charities haven't you john mm. over the years mm. and i think um could you speak a little bit about that because i think um, it's incredibly inspiring um I've done things for Mind and um, Calm, which is campaign. I, I thought it, it, it's, it, it sounds an unusual thing, doesn't it? Campaign against living miserably. Yeah. And it's still going. That's great. Um, and also we did a project. Uh, I did a project with co- company Paradiso, which was called May Contain Nuts. And that was um, dealing with folk who'd had 
mental health difficulties and being playful and and, and that thing of bit of course being together with other people yeah talking of tribes yeah there's a beautiful line by Joel Taylor. I read the poem to Isabella, the poet. You have found your tribe. It's just, she finishes it saying, she's talking about difficulties and then says, you have found your tribe. It just makes me emotional thinking about mm. it. And to find others um, who will stand alongside you, uh, like-minded, like-spirited, it's empowering. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's one of the the things I wanted to do here with the the podcast and in the community. I guess, you know, it's called Extraordinary Creatives because I genuinely find you extraordinary because of the desire to stand shoulder to shoulder with others, you know, and especially when things are challenging or personally difficult, the fact that you're willing to come back and try again to give it another shot, to stand side by side. And I know, you know, you've you've always gone about contributing to different pockets. You know, you travel the whole country going to, you know, places that I don't even know that I didn't even know they existed, towns I didn't even know existed to do, you know, gigs or workshops in the most extraordinary places. And I think, you know, you, you are modest in that sense, John. And I think it's that moment that one of the reasons I wanted to share some of the things that you do is because I do believe that all of these small gestures, and they're not really small because they have a personal cost at times. You know, it's exhausting taking you away from your family or your friends and, you know, um, being on the road, traveling, you know, does have a personal cost. And yet you're willing to do it, not just because you like performing and you know being um being on stage as it as it were but because you love getting that contribution back and um having being in community with others i'm really grateful to you for being honest because i do the older i get you know the more i realize that actually being open and honest and being vulnerable with each other is actually uh, an incredibly empowering thing, not just for us, but for other people. So I appreciate you being so candid. Well, it's, th- it's interesting, Carrie, that you asked me the question. I mean, because you didn't, because you, you asked me a question that was um, not directly relating to mental health. Mm. And it just was it. It's it's not nice that it came out, but in a way that it came out as a natural thing is a good thing because it's made it needs to be a more natural thing rather than right. Let's talk about mental health. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's and, true, and I, and I think you know we. T- I talk to creatives every single day who have to carry shame or embarrassment or worry about being different. And actually, I would say 85% of creatives that I know, including myself over the years, have have struggled with mental health. And I think it's as important as talking as if you've got, I don't know, a sore foot or it's something exactly, else. And that's what I say. I say, I say, that's funny, I say a bad elbow. Yes. Yeah. It's it is it's and it's not just as as important. I mean, it is, but it's it's the same. It's the same ob- object. Exa- you that's got 
an ailment. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting is that because it's about the brain, you know, it goes back to that kind of idea. We separate ourselves, don't we? So we think because we can think, we think it's to do with personality or character or our individual responsibility for ourselves. where in actual fact, it's the brain doing what brains do. Brains just get up to mischief sometimes and actually, Well, that's a nice way of putting it. You know, and so I think it's really important, but I think coming back to the work that you make sort of now, you know, how how has your creativity changed um, in this last, say, decade, John? What's important to you? What do you care about? Um, I do like getting people to create stuff. Um, in a, sit in a sit around doing some drawing, like getting people drawing, mm. um, and coloring. People, it's really, people really like coloring in. <laughs> they do, they do, they love it, don't they? I actually, uh, I really like some of your drawings, John, that you've done to accompany um, poems before. But even when you've done workshops, um, yeah, I was, I was really thinking about how they. They're things in and of themselves, not just as in relationship to your text. But um, I really enjoy them. Yeah, I've been playing around with some of the drawings and just sort of putting them into. I, I did a drawing of my dad up a ladder doing a painting. Um, so my dad painted the scenery for the Boy Scout pantomime in 1923. So Amazing. dad was born in 1905. So wow. In, in Paris. And um, that was one of the things I had in my mind when I went to Paris the other day. Mm. And I've done a drawing of Dad up a ladder with a paintbrush and a big screen behind, and I've been getting people to paint a scene that Dad might have been painting. Amazing. Um, and they've done some nice, nice drawings. How did how did your dad? Sorry to go off on a slight yeah. wander, but how did your dad end up going from Paris to Luton? Uh, dad was had an English dad and um, and a French mum, and so he was proud of both sides of his. Um, world he was spoke mm. both fluently french and english um he lived in france for a time came over in 1936 to come and experiment with some of his english bits mm-hmm. and started a job there and then was in the second world war and had post traumatic stress disorder mm. and was invalided out of the air force with mental mental um health problems himself and but in, was in moved to London. I don't know how he came to be in London, but he did be in London with my mum. And I don't. We don't know if mum nursed him. Right. And um, they got a flat in London. Then had Marcel, my brother, mm-hmm. uh, in nineteen forty-five. And then when Angela came along, they no, had I come along? Yeah, I was born in London. Of course, I was. Yeah. And then Angela came along, and there just wasn't room. Mm. And so they moved to Luton, where there was room. Right. Amazing. Did your family feel the impacts of your dad's post-traumatic stress disorder? Well, Marcel says that sometimes dad would be in his room and not come out, which he only told me that a couple of years ago. Mm. And he was painting, actually. Dad did some painting while he was while he was locked, locked away. Mm. Amazing how our fundamental creativity is to us humans, I think. Yeah, well, and and obviously more so to some folk, and it's but it's nice to bring out other people, people who don't have creativity as their job or as their raison d'être. Yes, um, to just give them the chance to expand on that. 
Um, I try to mend a chair. I mean, I'm so impractical, but I just tried to mend a chair this morning. I got, you know, I got a big um, um, tool out and was whacking it to try and <laughs> mend the chair. I mean, I can do a bit of mending, but I, I'm I'm not very good at it. Me but I, yeah, you, but you asked me about how the how my creativity has changed in the last mm. in the last I don't know ten fifteen years. I, I, but Marcel said somebody said to Marcel, "Oh, your brother's uh, work uh, is, is is I don't know if they said it's not as funny or whatever they said." Marcel said it's more considered ah, for them. That was his answer. Interesting. Um, and I suppose it is, but mm. you don't want to consider it too much, do you? No, that's the thing. You no, because then it becomes uptight. Or, but there is a consideration and. And I think Bell Bell is right. Not too many serious bits, mm. and make people laugh, mm. and make people try and make people feel better. When I was doing a thing with mid midwives, I was doing a talk to midwives, and I said one of the things that we have in common, myself and you, is that we try to make people feel better. Mm. And I do try to do that. Yeah, it's uh, you say considered, but it's um, it's an extraordinary craft to to make people funny. And I know I don't want to take the fun out of it by analysing it. Yeah, yeah. Is it it's a sort of like an instinctual thing now from having practised for so, so long that you know the way of blending words and images together that creates something in someone's mind's eye. I'm curious, how to, could you try and explain the process to me of how, how you work to, to do that? Um. Before I say that, I say I, I was doing a show in Stillington Mill near York. Mm. Yeah. And Alex, I, I was telling him, one of the folk who run that, and um, I was saying about how when I'd given out, because he hadn't seen the show, he was working in the in the bar. And I said to him, well, he's a performer also. And I said that um, I'd read out, because it was very dark, it was outside, I described, sorry, the drawings that the people had done on my dad's, on the screen that my dad had put up. And I, everybody had done, not everybody, but 14 people had done a drawing on the, that backdrop that dad was painting of an imagined scene. And because I couldn't show them to the audience, I read, I described them. Oh, nice. And Alex said that that will be in all different people's minds, a different picture. Yes. And that, that. when he said that, that I mean, it's, and I also thought about that possibility and how just just saying that it, it, it was an, it's a new thing. It's something new. It's, it's, it's lovely when one gets an, a new thing. Yes. And this is very new, this. This and I, just to describe it, don't show it. Yes. But there's that frame, famous phrase, but which I've never really quite got. Show, show don't is it show don't tell or tell don't show but show in this don't case, tell in this case tell don't show yes i like that so there's something about that um giving people sort of conjuring the image in people's mind's eye and it becomes a delightful thing for them to complete somehow coming back then to this picture exactly that Yes. Exactly that. In a different way, but exactly that. Can you just describe for the for us what what's happening in that 
let me tell you the scribble spelled s-c-r-i-b-l-e one a picture frame two a man three a scribble four a horn five two wheels six a bomb seven a triangle eight two explosions nine letter i ten a flower eleven a box nice and so um in that workshop that was from when 18485 read you another one uh the man is unhappy he has lost his picture the frame is empty the wind is blowing so hard that everything in his house is messed up and blown around outside the tree is blown about one of the scissors are blown in the air and hit a hop and, and hit a water pipe a hole appears the water squirts out brilliant and that's from one of the attendees of the workshop that was a child maybe 10 wow amazing and i was struggling to get them to be expansive in their writing and just something came i was really getting frustrated mm. and then i just said can you come and draw some things on the board interesting it's there's um it's something about that sort of reading the room then and knowing what your creativity can do to facilitate somebody else's creativity so a combination of your skills tools but also i think eq I think everyone refers to it as now. There's something about mean? emotional intelligence. Do you know where you're you're kind of reading a room to understand what's going to work here and what's not going to work well, here? Inter- I, I would say, Kerry, that there's an that maybe, but there's also <laughs> desperation. <laughs> you know, let's not be ashamed. Yeah. You know, I was desperate, just yeah. clutching. Yeah, clutching. Just I clutching. Love that. And I, yeah. I sometimes clutch at the wrong thing. Yes, I love that. I think that's one of the things in that, again, going back to that sort of idea of the 70% or like letting things go before they're perfect is the willingness. If, this isn't referring to you, John, but forgive me, but it's the willingness to be shit sometimes. Do you know, like the willingness yes. to put yourself. Uh, yes, in, I do in, say that. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do say to the but it's harder for people in a workshop. I say it's all right to fail, um, but I, I the be- a better way of saying that is there's not a wrong answer. That's right, but that goes for us too as creatives, right? So I'm amazed at how prepared to be vulnerable you are in so many different contexts. It's a really remarkable skill for lots of creatives who are introverts. John, you know, there's something, um, there is something remarkable about that, about some kind of um, faith or belief in the humans that you're going to be with. Um, Yeah, I think there's that coming back to that thing about finding your tribe. And I was saying about it's the sort of the tribal thing within people. Um, If we're doing this together. so. We'll, in inverted commas, fail together. Yes. Um, or we'll struggle together, or we'll be desperate together. Um, yeah, trying to hook up with that aspect. That aspect. So, how do you want to use your creativity or tap into your creativity now, moving forward, John? Um. Maybe get some more drawings on those uh, pink things by me, Dad. Yeah. Um, maybe make some more songs. Maybe record some more songs. I haven't recorded a uh, last album was in '93, uh, I think. 
Wow. We did do no, we did do um, a, a CD, but it didn't get really um, didn't really get very far out for various reasons. Called the family, the family, family favourites. Mm. Um, but that was more that was more spoken word and just um, songs with maybe one other with Keith actually. Keith played along on it with me. Um, but I'd like to record um, some some of the some of the new songs that I've done. Um, but good, yeah, doing the doing the doing the doing workshops is something I really like. I, 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 it's really nice to perform in. I was thinking about doing some more stuff with translation because I've got this here. This is something. This is um, the, from the Medellin International Poetry Festival. Uh, Ninety, I think it was. It was about two thousand, I think. You bring but it towards some, your face a little bit, so this, it. So this, yeah, we made a little thing. So I did this with. It's Nigel. like a fanzine. So, yeah, and we we made these when I was in Medellin at the, um, with the British Council doing the poetry festival there, and marvelously, David Sant translated some of the poems into Spanish, and I read some of those out, and oh, wow. I would. Uh, uh, locos. Oh wait, where is it? Hold on, this is it. Yeah. Buenas noches, amantes locos de la poesía. Welcome, people crazy for poetry. And, um, <laughs> and doing these poems. Mi perrito no lleva gafas. My doggy don't wear glasses. Um, and I was thinking it'd be nice to do some more stuff, getting other languages in. Um, yeah. And Mel said about Mel, my partner Mel. Yeah. And said about maybe some of the folk, um, perhaps focus seeking asylum with their other languages involved in them. Lovely. Um, other languages, a lot of other, other languages in our land. Yes. And, um, that are spoken. So maybe an opportunity to experiment, experience, experience and experiment and to pr- 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 push forward those a little bit more. Yeah, I love that. And maybe, just... yeah, but it's, it's a bit of the opportunity to find it. I don't know where I'd find that opportunity, but I was thinking. Maybe do it in maybe have a little language thing in a in a in a in a bar where you're just saying come along and we'll share some languages. Oh yeah, I love that. I think that's this that democracy of your creativity, if that's the right way to to put it. There's something about that willingness to share your creativity, you know, with a, a broad spectrum of people, not just for an elite few. Which I think is really inspiring. It was amazing going to one of the things in Medellin that was incredible, which relates to what we've been speaking about earlier, mental health, mm. was one of the performances was done in the mental hospital or the, the, or the hospital for those who have had mental in, injuries. Yeah. Um, they did the gig outside there and the patients were there and the people from Medellin were there and we were all together listening to the poetry. Amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so this accessible way of working so that you are facilitating other people's um, not only creativity, but their emotions. It's like the you give enable people to have access to their emotions and their feelings in a, an accessible way, which is a beautiful gift. I suppose in part it's because I'm having access to mine. Yeah, that's right. And you've put in the work to, to do that. 
you know, to some extent, having access to mine when I'm doing the performances. You know. um, somebody said that you looked as though you were in, um, you were enjoying the show on Saturday. <laughs> well, that's great because actually that is that is a huge part of the pleasure of participating with somebody, isn't it? It's when you know that it's infectious to see somebody really loving and enjoying well, they don't the want to see you enjoying yourself too much. <laughs> is that right? No, no, no. To enjoy themselves, not you enjoy yourself. Yeah, that's that's true. So, and you've just done Edinburgh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How was that for you? Um, I made quite a few mistakes in terms of publicity. I'm not really, I'm not really up on that. I've not done social media things. I probably need to sort of maybe think about that. Um, or just do less shows and have the people who want to come, come. But if I want to do bigger number of shows, I think I've got to think about the, uh, advertising side of it a bit better. It was lovely though. It was lovely. Yeah. And wonderful to be amongst all that creativity and to have your own creativity well received and to do 25 shows at Summer Hall, which is a lovely venue. Amazing. And to change, to make it grow every day and to have Jade and um, my lovely technician. And um, it, it was just, it was, it was really, it's a lovely thing. I've done it a lot of times, Kerry. And, yeah. Um, uh, there's not, in this business of, of touring, there's not a lot of things that are fixed. And so it's nice to have something fixed. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that. Is there something that, in terms of things you like learning, you know, like, so you're talking about like doing stuff with languages, but is that an important part of your creative development that you, you want to learn? You always want to learn something new. Well, you know, that one knows that you've got to be a bit fresh. Yeah. Um, so one's aware of that, but then there's bits that people um, really appreciate that are things that you've worked on. And it's a balance um, of experiment, if you like, with um, that which has been experimented upon and has found to be, if not true, adequate. Um, so a mixture, but one is, oh, yeah, I hope I remain open to being surprised. Mm, and surprising. One hopes so. Is there, in terms of things that you want to explore, um, in the future, is collaborating still important to you? Um, I play, yeah, I've played with uh, Bill and Bill Muirs and uh, Julia Doyle, and I played at the Camden New Journal Outside Festival uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was a bit of a difficult situation, so we couldn't do all the songs that we'd rehearsed, but we did do a night in. I, me and Julia did do a night in Tunisia with me playing. Playing the mandolin chords, and she and she'd said, Julia said, "Oh, I didn't know you knew all the chords," and so um, that was something nice to do. Um, and I mean, Bill had recorded us doing the rehearsal, and he'd managed to separate mandolin, vocal, bass, and drums on his phone wow. onto different tracks. He separated it out from a. I mean, I'm a little yeah. bit behind with all this technology in your pocket amazing 
So looking at from where you are, from the perspective that you have now, mm. all of the amazing things you've done in your creative adventure and looking backwards, what are you most surprised by that you've that you've pulled off, John, that you've participated in, that you've contributed to? Well, it was, sorry to go back to the mental health, but it was very hard going when we actually, we had a, we had a, me and Keith had a show at the, um, was it the Tate, Tate, was it the Tate? I think it was the Tate. Was it, no, not the Tate, the, yeah, the Tate by the river, the Tate by the river, not the Tate yeah. Modern. And um, so Keith was there doing with it. So we'd agreed that Keith would go with his dragon and I would come and do some stuff. But I'd had some bad mental health stuff. And it wasn't easy to get myself to go down there and do something. Um, but I did. And Keith, I think I didn't really know much about what I did do. But Keith said, I think Keith said I did one song over and over again. <laughs> but anyway, I did it. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, mate, well, one song for a long, long time. <laughs> like Hawkwind. <laughs> what do you mean, Hawkwind? I tell you, Hawkwind's, Hawkwind, I saw Hawkwind at the at Glastonbury about four or five years ago, and they had one of the most politically savvy things. They was one of their songs we took the wrong step years ago, but let's not get depressed. <laughs> Yeah, you've performed at Glastonbury a fair few times. Yeah, hey? yeah, yeah. Mm. Lovely, though. Lovely. Lovely. I mean, I first there in 70, 79, 79. So one last thing. I think we talk about you you wanting to, to create some uh, pleasure and, you know, help people, I guess, through uh, giving them some some joy. And I guess joy is something, I think, incredibly important when our creativity can be used to to help us have joy as well as other people to have joy looking at what you've achieved so far what would you say has brought you the most joy john i mean in terms of anything or in terms of creativity anything well it's into what you're saying what well, i'm lucky i remember you know i was saying we, we we didn't know how lucky we were i, I tell you a beautiful thing was when we Isabella uh, and I and Max, who had come with us, were watching um, the Magic Numbers on Glastonbury this year. Mm. And they got us to sing along with them, and I can't remember exactly the words. I've got it all. <laughs> anyway, I'm just grateful for what I've got. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Do you know, I think it's such an important part of being a, a human, but also being creative and actually that knowing, being grateful in the moment and being able to recall those moments of gratitude actually is really revitalising, but that really helps with all of our mental health, but also with our resilience that we need to move forward. I think gratitude plays such an important role. And when we're young, sometimes I don't know. I don't know. You know, you knew that you were grateful. I think that I've I've always felt grateful. But sometimes I I do say to people, I think it's something we have to practice. Do you know, it, it's actually, it's a proactive decision to be grateful. And so I love the fact that you shared that 
because actually those moments with our friends, enjoying other people's creativity, but enjoying what we're capable of in that moment together, such a beautiful thing. Thanks yeah, for sharing. Yeah, that song, it'd be nice to find, I, I, we should find the song, Kerry, I can't remember what it is, but I'm sure it's I've Got It All. Um, it, was, it was it was fantastic. Um, and for the audience to be singing it. Yeah. For us all to be thinking that. And you talk about, you know, one talks about, you know, the, the tribe. Yeah. I mean, tribal thing can, can get sound a bit corny, can't it? But No, but I think a- actually for those of us, you know, people listening to this recognise that, you know, they've taken a path less trodden. Do you know? And so sometimes we need the recognition and reflection from others to know that it's okay to dare to be different. You know, it's okay to do things in a in your own way. Make it up as you go along. It's your life. But actually sharing those moments is really important, I think. I think it's a bit harder for folk on our island. I mean, sort of Belle was saying how lovely she thought the French, you know, because people say the Parisian people are tough, but Belle was saying how lovely they were. Um and Alex, who I was talking to at the weekend, tours in New Zealand. He says, "Everybody I meet in New Zealand is really lovely." <laughs> um, it's maybe it's maybe it's a bit tougher. Maybe it's a bit tougher on our island, but maybe it's nice to have work to do. It is, and I think it's you know one of the reasons I want to speak to amazing, extraordinary people like you is because I think we all need a bit of inspiration, you know. And there are tough times, but actually just showing up and doing the work each day, you know, with the hope and optimism, I think actually is a really, it's a really important contribution. Can I sing a song? Yeah, I'd love that. Um, um, This mandolin was made by Alison. Better tune. That's right. I live with it. When I say that you belong to me, I don't mean possessively. I mean like green belongs to a cucumber. I mean like reddish brown belongs. To rules of terracotta, like the railway observers, belonging to the numbers they have spotted on the trains, their rail gotten gains. They want the ones they haven't got, they know they'll never get the lot, but anyway, they'll have a shot. Me, I want the one I've got. It's you, I believe in you, being close to me, intimately, regularly, just not today. <laughs> because sometimes I need to be with myself alone. All the better to be with you more intimately. We're sometimes out of reach, but we are each other's beach hut. It's one beach hut for each nut. 
Somewhere to change, somewhere to rearrange ourselves, somewhere to put things on the shelves that we don't need, somewhere to shelter when we're off kilter in the rain. We're going to the seaside on the train. Yes. Loved that, John. Thank you. Made me feel really emotional. And what a beautiful way to end our time together. Thank you so much. Yeah. Keep being you. Thank you so much, John, for joining us. Please follow and share the podcast. It helps us to support more brilliant creatives like you. Recommend future guest suggestions in your reviews. They might well become part of our show. Thanks for being part of our creative community. Until next time. Mm-hmm.